Bonjour, mes frères et mes sœurs. Bon voyage in cette année. Well, since the title of this message is French, I thought I'll start off with a little French too. And since I'm an alien here and come from a foreign country, where about a third of the people speak French, anyway, I said good morning, brothers and sisters. And have a good voyage this year, 2019. Greetings in the name of the Lion and the Lamb. Appreciated the Sunday School class and other parts of the service. I notice with uh, travel brochures, sometimes the words bon voyage, good voyage, literally. I invite you to turn to Job chapter 9 and uh, verse 26, actually 25 and 26. <clears throat> Job 9. <clears throat> number of comparisons here about the brevity of life. Job 9.25 Now my days are swifter than a post. They flee away, they see no good. They are passed away as the swift ships, as the eagle that hasteth to the prey. I like to think about sailing on the sea of life <clears throat> on a swift ship. Compare the years of 2019, for the ma that matter, for the rest of our lives, to a voyage. <clears throat> so let's get on this swift ship. Let's look around and we see we're on the sea of life. It's large. It's temporal. The elements of the earth and sea shall be burned up, although it appears to be permanent. Looks fairly calm, but there will no doubt be storms and dangers. The sea of life is mysterious and deep. There are many options on route in sailing the sea of life. There are some rough places, and a person needs to go against the current, against the tide, in order to be a child of God. So we're on the sea of life. Second thing is, on this swift ship, we have a captain. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 10. This might be the only place, I'm not sure, where Christ is referred to as the captain. Hebrews 2 and verse 10. Thinking about Christ suffering, the lamb slain, as our Sunday school lesson was in the adult department. And verse 9 says, He by the grace of God tasted death for every man. For it became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. Is Jesus your captain? Well, the captain gives the orders. 
Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Should find an echo in our hearts from the words of Saul on the road to Damascus. So the captain gives the orders. The captain makes the placement of responsibilities. As 1 Corinthians 12 says, God hath set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased him. So we don't all have the same function. As captain, he steers the ship. He is the head of the church. As captain, he plans the route of our lives. And as captain, he coordinates the activities of the crew. Go ye therefore, he says, I am with you always. Now, by nature, we want to be our own captain. I think that was basically the reason why I delayed so long becoming a Christian. I wanted to do my own thing. We don't take orders from anyone by nature very easily. When a popular entertainer in America was asked about his adulterous affairs and, and things like that, he said, Why can't I do as I please? It's my life, and I'm entitled to all the fun I want. Popular philosophy. But not one if we have the captain, Jesus Christ. We are duty-bound to obey his orders if we are on the ship Zion. As an old sailor used to say, it's either duty or mutiny. Can't have it both ways. Our captain has power over the winds and the waves. I'd like to read from John 6, a passage. John 6, about the experience of the crew with Jesus on the Sea of Tiberias, Sea of Galilee, Sea of Gennesaret, whatever it's called. John chapter 6 and verse 16. Beginning to read there. This is after the miracle of the fishes and loaves. John 6, 16. And when even was now come, his disciples went down unto the sea, and entered into a ship, and went over the sea toward Capernaum. And it was now dark, and Jesus was not come to them. And the sea arose by reason of a great wind that blew. So when they had rowed about five and twenty or thirty furlongs, they see Jesus walking on the sea, and drawing nigh unto the ship. And they were afraid. And he said unto them, it is I, be not afraid. Then they willingly received him into the ship, and immediately the ship was at the land whither they went. Our captain has power and authority over the winds and the waves. Read of a bad storm at sea, and uh, passengers were getting frightened. And a woman went to a minister who was on board and said, Can't you do something about this awful storm? And the preacher replied, No, ma'am. I'm in sales, not management. The captain, however, 
is different. Sometimes he takes us through the storm. Sometimes he calms the storm. As someone said, sometimes he calms the storm and sometimes he calms me. Remember that was the words of our son Richard after he was involved in an accident in Guatemala in which there was a fatality. And it's not a good thing to be involved with a fatality or any accident in Guatemala. If you're a foreigner, you're automatically concluded to be guilty. But the Lord was gracious to him. But as he sat there and contemplated the reality of a person's death, wasn't really his fault, but he felt very bad about it. And what could happen to him in a Guatemala prison? He said, this thought, sometimes the Lord calms the storm, sometimes he calms me. In that case, he did both. During a fierce storm at sea, the passengers were huddled together in the cabin, main cabin, and they uh, looked pretty doubtful whether they'd survive. One of the passengers... uh, Bravely went up on deck, and he came back, and he seemed to be uh, quite calm and confident and cheerful. And so they said, uh, "Why, why are you so cheerful?" And he said, "I have seen the face of the captain, and he was smiling." The storm wasn't going to be a problem for the captain. I right, you to turn to five hundred and fifty-three on this theme. 553 Jesus Savior as our captain pilot me there's three verses here I think we'll sing all of them 553 Jesus, save your pilot me. Thank you. I really like that song. The message of it. We sang about chart and compass that he provides. Here is the chart. <clears throat> it shows us the way to go. And it shows us the danger. This chart <clears throat> shows us where there are peaceful waters. Such as, great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Or, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Or, one of my favorite verses, ever since I became a Christian, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So he, this book shows us the peaceful waters. 
It also shows us some reefs and rocks and sandbars. I'd like to read some about some of these. First uh, Timothy chapter 6. We talked and mentioned in Sunday school class about affluent America. First Timothy 6. Verse 9 speaks about drowning on the sea of life. First Timothy 6 and verse 9. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after they have erred from the faith, and have pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Another area of rocks or sandbars. Evil communications corrupt good manners, bad company. Makes for big spiritual problems. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Those are dangerous aspects of sailing the sea of life. Then there are those deep, safe channels. I'd like to read from Matthew chapter 5, for example. I think these are some good, safe, blessed Channels to sail through and over. I invite you to read these with me. Matthew 5, beginning at verse 3. And let's go down through 9, from 3 to 9. Reading these all together as we think about some deep, safe channels. Let's read together. Matthew 5, verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. So those are some good, safe channels. Another passage I like is John chapter 15. Let's uh, notice a few things there. This is about abiding in Christ safely. I'll read a few of these verses, John 15 and verse 7. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Here is my father, herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends, and so on. 
In this chart, there's also guidance to the harbor, the heavenly harbor. Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. The last chapter of this chart says, Blessed are they which do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. I'm very thankful for the chart to guide us. Next, let's think about the power. Thinking about the wind, the pneuma, the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.8 says, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me locally and internationally, is the thought. Micah 3.8, the prophet said, Truly I am full of power by the Spirit of the Lord. I'd like to read from Acts 4.33 about the wind of the Holy Spirit. Acts 4 verse 33, coming upon the early church. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Power and grace. Now as we think about the wind, I'd like to read a poem by Annie Johnson Flint. I stood on the shore beside the sea, the wind from the west blew fresh and free, while past the rocks at the harbor's mouth, The ships went north, and the ships went south. And some sailed out on an unknown quest, and some sailed in to the harbor's rest. Yet ever the wind blew out of the west. I said to one who had sailed the sea that this was a marvel unto me, for how can the ships go safely safely forth, some to the south and some to the north? Far out to the sea on their golden quest, or into the harvest, harbor's calm and rest, and ever the wind blew out of the west. The sailor smiled as he answered me, Go where you will when you're on the sea, though headwinds baffle and flaws delay, you can keep the course by night and day, drive with the breeze or against the gale, it will not matter what winds prevail, for all depends on the set of the sail. Voyager soul on the sea of life, or waves of sorrow and sin and strife. When fogs bewilder and foes betray, steer straight on your course from day to day. Though unseen currents run deep and swift, where rocks are hidden and sandbars shift, all helpless and aimless, you need not drift. Oh, set your sail to the heavenly gale. And then no matter what winds prevail, no reef shall wreck you, no calm delay, no mist shall hinder, no storm shall stay. Though far you wander and long you roam, through soft sea spray and o'er white sea foam, no winds that can blow but shall speed you home. Next thought I'd like to present is that of an anchor. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 19. 
Maybe this is the only passage where it mentions an anchor in the Bible, I'm not sure. Hebrews 6 and verse 19. Which hope we have, referring to God's promises through Jesus Christ, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil. An anchor is used in storms. No, it's not, it's not the only time that anchor is used, because uh, in Acts 27, when there was this terrific wind on the Mediterranean, when Paul was voyaging to Rome, it warned them, don't set sail. Not going to be a good scene. And so they, for two weeks or so, were blindly blown from place to place. Um, then they got near shore, and they put down four anchors to keep themselves from dashing against the rocks. We have an anchor, spiritually, steady and secure. Our hope is in Christ for time and eternity. Now in Halifax, 100 years ago, 101 years ago, approximately, during World War I, there was a large ship loaded with munitions and flammable liquid. It was heading for the war zones of Europe. It was in uh, the east coast of Canada, the port of Halifax, main port on the east coast for Canada. And uh, for one reason or another, um, another ship came along to the same narrow place in the harbor where this munition ship was. And they collided, and it wasn't a, a strong collision, but it was enough to uh, to spill some of the very flammable material, which got close to the munitions, like tons and tons, I forget how many, thousand tons of gunpowder. And there were sparks from the collision, and suddenly, boom, uh, the whole thing went flying in the air. My aunt was there during that time. And the shoreline was decimated. I mean, the buildings were not flat. And uh, there were fires all over the place and all these bits of metal and so on that exploded, went flying. 2,000 people killed, but not one, one was not my aunt. She was in high school at the time. And, and uh, the building was uh, still standing, although ruined. And they somehow got them from the second story down onto the ground. And they went looking for their dad. And anyhow... Quite a story. What I wanted to tell you was the anchor. The anchor weighed, <clears throat> according to her report, a ton. And they found the thing five miles away. We have an anchor that will not get blown to bits or blown far away. It is steady and secure in the storms. Let me mention some examples of some storms that we may encounter or that you are presently encountering, possibly. 
One storm is that of terminal illness. That is a pretty fierce storm. But you know, the proverb writer says, the righteous hath hope in his death. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And our Sunday school lesson did a magnificent job of showing us the glories of the Lamb and of the Lamb's home. Another storm of a temporal sort is that of financial reverses. Jesus is an anchor in that kind of storm too. to read from Matthew chapter 6 again the Sermon on the Mount Matthew 6 and verse 19 Matthew 6 19 says lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal and the economy goes south and all kinds of problems but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven I read in the news that the dairy farmers in the United States, particularly in certain areas, and if they're not big enough or whatever the case is, a bunch of dairy farmers are going out of business. Financial reverses. It may be a matter of declining health. Second Corinthians says, For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, and house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. As we age, our health tends to decline. There may be storms of perplexity, and I just cannot figure out what's going on. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. When my dad was sick, I remember him being in the hospital. And I think it was a preacher from another denomination came in and read to him, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore will we not fear, though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar. Pretty bad storm. It may be sickness. Now, four years ago, my wife, Barbara, was had had surgery for cancer and was anticipating uh, radiation. Over Christmas, our family, for the first time, uh, was all together uh, with the grandchildren and all the in-laws in Guatemala. We have grandchildren up to age... Nine, I guess it is. Ten now. Anyhow, I was asked to lead in prayer for one of the times. And I mentioned thanking God for the fact that Grandma 
could be present. And uh, that the Lord extended her life. And one of the grandchildren said, What's this all about Grandma being sick or not being here? They didn't know the story. <laughs> well, we have the great physician. But you know, nearly all of us are going to face health issues at some point or another. That can be a storm. It may be other kinds of losses. could be a loss of friends. But there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. It might be the storm of discouragement. February is known as a nasty month for people feeling down. However, the psalmist said, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. There is someone with us to go through discouraging circumstances. Then, of course, there is the storm of bereavement. Loss of life of someone close to us. But we have a hope. We do not sorrow as those who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord will not shall not prevent or precede them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God. The dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. And in this storm, wherefore comfort one another with these words. There can also be storms of temptation. I invite you to turn to 1 Corinthians 10 for some examples of these temptations. 1 Corinthians 10 and uh, verse 6 says, Now these things were our examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things, as they also listed. So there's evil desires that we face. Neither be idolaters, as were some of them, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. So these, the idolatry of pleasure-seeking. Uh, verse 8, Neither let us commit fornication, as some of them committed and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. So immoral conduct. Neither let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. So presumption. Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. And so on. But there is a way of escape, as verse 13 says. And the Bible talks about perilous times in the last days. But through these perilous times that we are now living in, I believe we have that blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So we have an anchor 
in all these storms. Turn to 913 in your songbook, please. I like this song also about Christ as our anchor. 913. I'm not familiar with verse 4, so I'd like to sing it. Let's sing verse 1, 4, and 5, and I invite you to stand for this song. Verses 1, 4, and 5, 913. Will your anchor hold in the storms of... Appreciated the way you sang that song also. Now from the pen of Brian Yoder, who writes, Life is the most inconsistent thing I've tripped over. You can't predict it, you can't fix it, you can't control it, reason with it, hide from it, or get rid of it. You can call it unfair, unreasonable, unjust, cruel, and probably be right. When life gets heavy, talking about the storms here, what can a person do? All of us go through heavy times. When there's too much month at the end of the money, and the appliances all conspire to commit suicide in the same weekend. When one child is sick and the rest are naughty, the homeschool stops, the husband is always busy, the wife is tired and the pressure is on, yet the work just never ends. When there are too many messages to preach, too many people to visit, and the problems pile up faster than you can take care of them. When the girlfriend says, no, and a year of dreams come crashing down around you and you feel like packing up and driving to Japan, if there are only a bridge. Or when death comes and strikes down your dearest friend or sister or parent. And you know that your laugh will always hold a wistful tone because the loss is irreparable. Maybe your child asks, Mommy, why are you crying? Maybe your wife asks, Why do you keep sighing like that? Maybe someone at church comments, My, you look tired today. When life is heavy, we need an immortal perspective. Something to square our shoulders, to lift our chins, and refocus our swimming vision. We need a taut, straight rope through the coils of confusion. When life is heavy, remember that you are in a constant state of transformation. The transforming of your mind is no easy thing. Bearing the image of Christ is dearly bought. The price of glory is suffering, and the price of the crown is the cross. Paul writes, Beholding the glory of the Lord, we are changed into the same image from glory to glory. When life is heavy, take some time. Gaze on the glory of Jesus and let the transformation continue.
When life is heavy, don't prematurely judge your circumstances. The all things work together for good principle doesn't necessarily mean this week. How often has an aging woman looked back on tough years with quiet joy in the results? How many jilted lovers have breathed a heartfelt thank you? How many grown children remember childhood poverty and think, you know, those were the best times. When life is heavy, ride the storm and keep looking for the promised good. When life is heavy, remember who planned it this way. To a perfect father, there are no accidents, no surprises, no mistakes. To a trusting child, this leaves nothing but trust and peace and rest. When life is heavy, remember who holds you. Can a woman forget her baby? God asks, gee, may, but I will not forget you. I've graven thee upon the palms of my hands. Your name is written where he can always see it. His eyes are ever upon you. His attention never strays from you, and his purpose never changes. He understands, his understanding of us is perfect, and he knoweth our frame. He remembereth that we are dust. When life is heavy, learn the paradox of yielded struggle. Run against the wind, swim against the current, strive against sin and discouragement. Never sit down in defeat or lie down to die, but in all of the struggle, learn to rest, to abide, to be quiet and still in the enveloping presence of the one who strengthens you. Without the struggle, you would soon lose footing. Without the yieldedness, you would soon lose strength. For you were never meant to struggle alone. Dennis made the connection between a willingness to suffer and power this morning. Finally, when life is heavy, remember the amazing statements of an eternal God. I love you. I will bless you. I will give you rest. I will withhold no good thing. I will answer you. I will strengthen you. I will never leave you. Life will never be predictable. But the living God will never change. Life can be a burden, but as we live with a higher perspective, something happens. We notice that the sky is still blue, the birds are still singing, and there is still joy and beauty around us. A few more thoughts about sailing on the sea on a ship. Let's think about the crew, the members of the church. We work together. This is one of the things that draws me back to Maranatha Bible School year after year is the working together of the staff. I just really enjoy that. And working together with the students in pursuing the will of God. Workers together with God. I love that phrase. This means doing our work. Paul wrote to Archippus that... He see to it that he fulfills. Can't get the phrase right now. It goes right here at the end of Colossians. And say to Archippus, Take heed to the ministry which thou hast received in the Lord, that thou fulfill it. Supporting the crew and the captain means loyalty. And maintaining the expectations that there are for members. As we sail on the sea, 
it's important that we are in but not of the water. The ship is in the water, but it's a disaster if the water comes and overwhelms the ship. Jesus said, I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from drowning in sin, from the evil thereof. May we trust and obey the captain. An old story about a uh, ensign, a young ensign, uh, completing his first overseas cruise and was given an opportunity to display his ability to get a ship out of the harbor, get it underway. And so he issued a stream of commands and the decks were buzzing with men and soon the ship was steaming out of the harbor en route back to here to the States. And his efficiency established a new record for getting a destroyer underway. He was not surprised when a seaman approached him with a message from the captain. He was a bit surprised, though, to find it a radio message, and even more surprised to read, My personal congratulations upon completing your underway preparation exercise according to the book and with amazing speed. In your haste, however, you have overlooked one of the unwritten words, rules. Make sure the captain is on board before getting underway. We need to make sure that the captain is with us. Then we can reach our port of heaven safely. Bon voyage. Bound for heaven.